Contrast uncut, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and the politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast uncut What's happening? It's Contrast Uncut. It's season three, episode 31. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, aka DJ Juan Dollars Like I Won Some Money. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a really, really dope special guest. You know, he's from the D, Detroit, Michigan, yeah. LA, you know. He's an actor, director, stand-up comedian, a host of Major Wave podcasts. You know, his talent starting at an early age from musical auditions and early success from plays to the big screen and now the big stage. You know, he's known for the lead role of Jake Peters in Lifetime Film, A Night to Regret. He's also known for numerous television roles, including series regular Luther Montage on the Fox Digital series, Suit Up, as well as recurring guest star roles on Justified, why Women Kill, Games People Play, which my family loves watching that show. I have the pleasure of having Kevin Mack, everybody. How you doing, brother? What's up, man? I'm great. Uh, uh, it's been a crazy week, but I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to have gotten through it so far. Man, so, you know, how is the world treating you in real time? I know, like we talked about a little off camera, you protesting for the social injustice, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, what, what's your take on it and, and, you know, what's been like for you? Uh, I've been out since the, uh, since the protests started in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been out uh, for every protest, pretty much every major protest, at least in, uh, in every city that, that's been in the area. Um, I've been out the whole time. So as the protests turn into riots, um, I was reporting from, from the front lines um, downtown and then uh, Fairfax District, and then um, over in uh, over by Third Street, and then God, where else were we? And then uh, then we bounced over to Santa Monica. We're in the Santa Monica uh, protest slash looting riot, and then uh, Long Beach. So I've been I've been all over. Wow, wow, that's amazing. You know, those are pretty intricate parts of the city that most people travel to, and you know, it's important that. You know, you're giving your your testimony of what it's like in those those areas. I mean, those are real glitz and glamour areas. At the same time, those are real groundbreaking areas. Downtown LA, that's you know, some of the biggest protest areas for teachers, for the union, for you know, any right that needs to be recognized, they'll stop the traffic. And you know, that's a big thing. It's important to be part of it. It's a, it's an important to be to be not only part of history, but to be on the right side of history. Um, yeah. growing up in Detroit. I, I was um, I was blessed that I, I kind of grew up in a, in a melting pot. I was, you know, I, I was <laughs> I was one of the few white people in in my neighborhood in my area. So I, I grew up around um, black culture, and and um, and I personally have always known that Black Lives Matter. Um, so it, it's surprising to me that that's something that people don't know. Uh, but it's it was important for me to be part of it. Um, I've had I've just over the past week, I've been hit in the back of the leg with a police baton uh, while trying to help a, an elderly 
black gentleman um, from up from the ground from to keep him from being trampled by the police and the protesters. Um, I've been shot with rubber bullets. I've been uh, hit with flashbang grenades. Um, and uh, I've, I've almost got jumped by looters. So in the past week, it's been a crazy day. It's been a crazy, crazy week, but, um, but, but an important week and an important thing to be part of. You know, that's amazing testimony. You pretty much touched every video that has circulated online of what people are really experiencing. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to have your side of it because yes, you know, you are on the right side of it. What's going on in society is wrong. And, you know, by us being able to keep our mouth open and our feet and hands moving and moving in the right direction, change will happen. You know, today's day seven of the protest in real time. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that, that we are at day seven because if we go back to the 1960s on, you know, right after Martin Luther King was murdered, it was six days after protesting straight that we got the civil rights movement signed. And right. There, there was justification to a degree there, but you know, it still continued. And now we're at day seven. So I wonder how much more longer this is gonna proceed. And you know, what do you think of how long, you know, you got it in you to keep on going out there and, you know, do what's right? I mean, I, I don't think that there should be any um, time restraint on, on how long it takes uh, for, for change to happen. Um, I think it's important to, uh, to not to focus on the negatives of, of what's happening, but to see uh, the positives that are happening as well, as difficult as the news media makes it to see those things. Um, I think that the news media um, kind of, their narrative is, is almost violence porn. Um, they're, they're trying to push an agenda that these protests are um, all violent and looters. And um, there's a lot of love on both sides. I've seen I've, I mean, I've seen love from, from, from both sides of the line. I've, I've watched as, as police officers have rushed forward to help protesters that have been injured or, or protesters that, um, that, that have dropped from dehydration and, and things like that. Um, I've seen protesters help police officers off the ground when, when they were forcing protesters forward. I've seen police officers and protesters and, and uh, National Guardsmen hugging and shaking hands. Um, the, it's it's not it's not all negative. There's a lot of love that's happening, and I, I think the first three or four days were were definitely high pressure days, and, and we were seeing a lot of of the violence. Um, but over the past three or four days, I think we've started to see nonviolent protests, true nonviolent protests, protesters um, stopping looters and stopping vandals from 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 making the protests turn violent. Um, and I think that the police have seen that and, and the police have seen kind of the error in their ways and the way that they handled uh, the situations in the first three or four days. And they're starting to see that um, you'll get a lot further with love than you will with, with violence or, or, um, or trying to hold people down. So I, I think we're, I, I, the, the first step in, in anything like this is a conversation. And the conversation is, is being forced now. And, and people are actually starting to see each other's sides of things. And I think the important thing that differentiates this from the past is, and, and this is something I've been talking about, in the past, um, white people in, in general looked at it as their problem, as, as a black problem, as a brown problem, as, as a, a, um, an Asian problem. And they never, they, they never took part in it. And I think now white people are starting to see that 
the only way that you progress is if you become part of 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 progression yes you know back then there was no accountability there was nobody you know there was very few selected pictures you see from any of the protests and movements of any of our skin color in the protest they're very rare and right. you know, the principle of it now is that you know we're not naive about it you know we're we're pro you know we're front lines to a degree to a lot of it and you know it's exciting to see it's 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 more of just a reflection of our growth and you know the we need someone to police the police and and you know we're all willing to take stand and you know catch rubber bullets tear gas and everything else that comes our way to make sure that the mission gets accomplished because you know bottom line social injustice is plain flat out wrong you know we let it go for so long and you know I feel like I can talk to you for this for hours and I definitely want to make sure I go into your history and showcase who you are get to the reflection of the show and you know get you get you going uh, so I have this quote and you know let me know how this quote relates to you and you know the whole idea is to get you to talk about it if it doesn't relate to you it's all good not gonna hurt my feelings still gonna talk about it all right. All righty. I'll say things that are serious and put them in a joke form so people can enjoy them. We laugh to keep from crying. Kanye West. Uh, as a stand-up comedian, that quote relates to me quite a bit. Um, a lot of my comedy comes from a place of, um, of dark material in my life. Um, there, I, I, I'm a child of abuse and a child of abandonment. I never met my father. I was raised by a single mother. Um, I had a stepfather who was a, an alcoholic, abusive uh, individual. And um, I feel like you can either use those experiences to define you or you can use them to drive you. I use those experiences to drive me and, and, and made a, uh, made comedy out of those uh, those situations um not only that but i actually wrote a movie that's semi-autobiographical that we're going to be um that i'll be directing and, and producing hopefully in september now possibly october thank you uh we were supposed to start filming in august we got a, we, we got the script got picked up by a production company we got a, a nice budget and we've got some pretty big names attached to it um but with everything happening with covid19 it got pushed but um, I, I, I agree with that statement. I think um, the ability to laugh at the misfortune in your life gives you um, gives you more motivation to better yourself from that situation and, and to not fall into those situations yourself to be that type of a person. Um, I think if you're unable to laugh at misfortune, then you, you're unable to move past it. Come on, come on. And I think that's the whole thing about society today is that they're not able to get past anything, so they can't face it. Yeah. And I think once you, once you get to a point that you can um, make light of a situation and you can see the comedy in, 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 in the darkest situations, it gives you the ability to push past it. There's always going to be shit. Shit's always going to happen. Come but on. The ability to laugh at the, at the shit that happens is important. Absolutely. You know, I know you don't know too much about me. The viewers know a little bit, but because uh, I've grown throughout this entire experience. But bruh, uh, my father passed away when I was four and, you know, he moved to L.A., met my mom and she was Mexican. So pretty much her family on the East Coast cut him off. And so he started a company and then he passed away. And then, you know, we had to figure it out from the struggle. So yeah. I can definitely relate to you when you talk about growing up. 
and you know dealing with the struggles i definitely got into the streets more instead of staying at home and you know facing certain things and you know it taught me a lot but it got me in a lot of trouble yeah. so you know we could definitely relate uh my mother was actually from detroit michigan and, you know my okay. family did stuff in grand rapids michigan my dad's side of the family and they did a lot back in the day yeah my brother lives in grand rapids oh dope dope furniture capital of the world yes sir now it's the brewery capital of the world wow yeah oh wow Fun times, fun times. <laughs> I'm sorry about your father, by the way. Uh, no, it's all good. You know, it, it allows us to grow and evolve and reflect to what would life would be versus the life you appreciate daily. Absolutely. So, man, as I'm talking about me, I'm ready to dig into you. And I'm talking about entertainment industry. You know, did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Uh, the game, I, I guess I would have to say the game chose me. I've, I've known what I wanted to do since I was five years old. Um, I, uh, I'm old enough that I used to pop VHS tapes in the VCR when I was a kid. Um, anytime that I would hear somebody on TV with an accent, I would just, I'd throw in a, v a VHS tape and record the, the accent and I would just play it over and over and over until I could do that accent when I was, you know, six, seven years old, I was running around doing English accents and New York accents and Boston accents. So, um, I always knew what I wanted to do. I, for some reason, I just knew I, I had to be on TV. Fair enough. And yeah. the fun way how the world works and receives it is that you did the necessary steps to get yourself on TV. True, true, true. And, and it also served me well living in, in Detroit because, you know, um, a lot of trying not to get your ass whooped when you're in the wrong hoods is making people laugh. So, uh, that 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 served me well you know when someone's about to whoop your ass and you just throw on an english accent for no reason and they start laughing it saves you an ass whooping so it's nice it's helpful in my personal experience growing up in la i've never done that i just got the ass whooping by the gang <laughs> so sometimes you gotta just throw a little bit of humor in there man oh no you ain't lying you ain't lying i definitely found a way to talk to them so that they didn't you know check us every time and ask us where we're from so you know, yeah, you, you got to get that hood pass. Absolutely. It takes a little smiling and humor. You yeah. know how many times back in the day you had to lean like a cholo and tell the story? <laughs> facts. Big facts. So, bro, you know, what's what's some of uh, your confirmation that this is what you're supposed to be doing with your life? I know you got an early success doing musicals and, you know, from auditioning and, and you know, it got you traveling, you got showcase in the newspaper on the news in Detroit. But, you know, what was like your first confirmation that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and it kept on leading to who we have today? Um, I would have to say, I, it's, it, as far as TV and film go, I would have to say um, when I moved out here, I didn't know a single person. I had never been to L.A., didn't know anything about L.A. Um, I found my apartment on Craigslist on a Thursday, packed my stuff up on a Friday, left Saturday morning in a truck, drove 2,600 miles, no sleep for three days. <laughs> Got here and was like, okay, uh, how do I get into the movie industry? And I was walking down Sunset Boulevard, handing out business cards that I had printed out on my own computer that said Kevin McNamara, professional actor. And I walked by all the outdoor um, cafes and anybody who had a blackberry an iphone or a nice watch i just stopped and assumed they were in the tv industry and just said hey i'm 
Kevin McNamara, I'm new to town, I'm a professional actor. If you have any projects, I would love to be part of it. That's how I thought you did it. Um, Brilliant. And I walked all the way down Sunset, handing hand them out. And as I turned around and came back the other way, uh, I was watching my business cards blow across the street. And I was like, I don't think this is how you do it. You know, uh, it relates to party promoting in Hollywood and other major cities when you pass out flyers trying to get them to go to the event, trying to get some money on each person that goes in, and you yeah. just all across the street. I understand. Yeah, man. There's a there's a really funny joke um, that a stand-up comedian used to tell. Um, he said, uh, people who hand out flyers are like saying, here, you throw this away. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Hedberg said that. He's a very funny stand-up comedian. Um, but yeah, that, that was what, how I thought it worked. Um, and then the, the, the thing that kind of gave me the idea that I was doing the right thing was I stalked my first agent. Um, I called him day after day after day. He wouldn't take a meeting with me. So one day I just walked into his office and uh, I, walked, I walked right past his, uh, his receptionist. And I walked into his office and I said, I'm Kevin McNamara. I'm the guy who's been calling you nonstop every day. I said, I'm not going to stop bothering you until you give me an opportunity to, to audition for you. And he's like, Jesus Christ, man, just what do you, what, what do you want to do? And I said, what, what, give me a monologue. I'll learn it. I'll perform it for you. If you don't think I have the chops, I'll leave you alone. I'll never bother you again. So he gave me a monologue from a movie called Tigerland with Colin Farrell. And he said, take this, go home, learn it and then call me and we'll set up a meeting. And I said, no, I'll go in the, in the lobby right now and I'll learn it. And he's like, this is a, this is a four minute monologue. I said, okay. So I went in the, in the lobby. I, I memorized it in about 15 minutes. Went back in his office and uh, I did the monologue and he was like, you're not SAG. You're not in the union. I, I really don't know what I can do with you, but you're fucking talented. So I'm going to give you a shot. And uh, he signed me. And my very first audition I booked, it was a, a top of show guest star on the show called Cold Case, which was the number one show on TV at the time. And um, I was like, all right, maybe I got something. So yeah, 13 years later, I'm still pushing. There it is there. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people moved to LA and Hollywood to live the dream. You definitely were able to accomplish it and, you know, live the dream by hard work, dedication. But, you know, what are some of the challenges you face with auditioning and, you know, coming from a different region and state? And, you know, what was it like, you know, from, from stage to, to screen? Um, I would honestly have to say I, I prefer stage. I prefer theater um, just because it's, it's instant gratification. You're, the crowd is right there. The same reason I like stand-up comedy. Um, there are no cuts. There are no reshoots there's nothing you either know your shit and you get out on stage and you do it to, and and you connect with an audience or you don't Facts. um and and it's you and you're out quick if you don't and i love that i think that's the truest form of acting um i'm a thespian, say, bro i'm sorry i'm a thespian so yeah I'm you know you know um i think there's uh there's actors and then there's uh there's theater actors and i think um theater actors are, are the real deal um, I would, I would have to say that the most difficult thing for me, and as you know, as a thespian, um, it, it's hard to turn it down a little bit. Stage acting is so much different from, uh, from film and television because stage acting, you have to, 
you have to uh you have to enunciate you have to project your movements are big um because you're you're, you're trying to play to the back of the room yes uh, whereas on film and television everything's very small and 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 real and normal um so that was that was difficult in the beginning and then i'm i'm heavily tattooed so i i lose a lot of opportunities because of that uh because of all the the dumb art that i liked when i was like 19 and 20 that i i am now in the process of having removed um but yeah those have been the the, the toughest things the two toughest things to to overcome now, I know you talked about two toughest things to overcome, but what have been some of the highs and lows across your career, you know, to, to how we have, you know, today where, you know, you're going to set up for production here soon for your autobiography, which is amazing, you know. So, you know, what are some of the highs and lows before you got to that accomplishment? Um, I, I would think that I, I would say the highest point for me so far was, um, was doing two seasons of the show Suit Up. Um, for Fox Digital. That was a really fun show. Uh, I enjoyed being one of the leads on it. It was, uh, the character was really fun. It was a, it was a comedy. Um, I was playing a, a, a white Jewish hip hop record label owner, producer, uh, which was really fun. We shot down in New Orleans for two seasons. We shot 26 episodes of that show. So um, I would say that's the high point. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I would say the low point is now. Um, everything that's going on with, with COVID-19, the, the industry being shut down for the past three months. I haven't done stand-up in three months. I haven't auditioned really in three months. I, I haven't been on set and it's been really difficult um, to stay motivated and to stay creative during this time when it feels like there's, there's no real definite answer of when we'll go back to work. I mean, both of the shows that I'm on, the uh, Why Women Kill for CBS and uh, Games People Play for BET, we were supposed to start filming in April. We were supposed to start filming season two of both shows in April. And um, we haven't even been given any kind of idea when we're gonna go back to work. So it's, uh, and when we do go back to work, what is that gonna mean? I mean, we don't know how many crew members we're allowed to have on set, we don't know what the what the rules are going to be as far as you know uh roles where you have to kiss or hug or be around each other or is that going to be allowed how we're going to have to do rewrites or what it is it's, um so i'd say now is probably the lowest time for sure no that's very logical because as everything's a mystery and it has to be solved you know the biggest thing is the what is the what is but you know we can control what we can control and let go of everything else and you know it's going to come together some kind of way that's the whole thing about being persistent and consistent about everything you do. The good thing is that there's a lot of work that's going to be coming up. Um, this thing has been a blessing and a curse. I mean, you, you've got everybody at home that are just, they're flying through content. So when this is over, all of the production companies are going to be going crazy, trying to get as much content shot as possible. So that's good for actors and writers and, and creators. Um, that that's one thing that I'm looking forward to. And uh, I've, I've already been in talks with Netflix about post theatrical production, or I'm sorry, uh, post theatrical distribution for the, for the movie and in talks with Netflix for two series that I, uh, that I created and wrote. So things are on the up. We're just waiting for, to get the, the thumbs up to uh, start getting moving on it. Oh, that's incredible, brother. 
I feel like you have a lot more in store, but we just don't. I'm going to take a pause on the entertainment. I have this next segment. It's my awareness segment. You know, you're going to jump through some hoops and loops with me through my next three segments. But, you know, we're going to talk. We're going to be able to reward you with some promotion at the end, talk about some, some more of the stuff that you're doing, what you're working on. But before we get there, I got to get into my awareness segment. It's, a, it's about police interaction. You know, I'm talking about the when the red and blue lights hit, the high beam hits, you know, to see who else is in the car. You hear the blurb sound and we're getting pulled over. The high beam never leaves and you get an officer approach you. And I ask every guest, you know, when was the last time they're pulled over? And what's advice they can give to somebody that's, you know, in that situation with the police and interaction? Um, I think the last time I got pulled over was about three months ago, I want to say. Um, somewhere around there. I think it was just before uh, COVID, the, the, the quarantine started. Uh, my experience when, when I get pulled over is typically – it's typically not that not that difficult, obviously, with me being an, uh, an older, middle-aged white man. Um, typically, they're just kind of uh, wanting to see what's going on. I drive a lot of older vehicles, classic cars. Uh, that's what I'm into. A lot of times, my lights go out and things like that because you're talking about a 40-, 50-year-old car. Um, so it's understandable. But um, I know my rights. So when I do get approached by police officers, I, I don't roll the window all the way down. Um, I don't automatically just start handing out uh, licenses and things like that. I do keep my hands in view. I keep them on the wheel. I think that's important. Um, and uh, I also, I, I always film every time I get pulled over, I, I turn my phone on. And, and um, I think it's important for, especially for people of color, this is something that I've been talking about. Don't, don't just film the police um, because when you just film the police, if there's, if they have an ability to get into your phone, they can delete, they can delete whatever recording you have live stream, always live stream. There's, if you live stream there, then there's a recording um, and there's witnesses always um, it, to, to just record them and, and save it to your camera roll. It, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's important to have witnesses. It's important for there to be a record. Um, so I always live stream when I get pulled over. And um, I just always enunciate everything that I'm doing. So if I'm given an order by a police officer to do something, I always say what I'm doing on camera and to the officer. If he tells me to get, a, get, get my license, I say I'm going to reach into my glove compartment and get my wallet and my insurance. Um, that way that they that people are aware of exactly what I'm doing and what's going on and what I'm reaching for I, I think it's important to, to have a record Absolutely dialogue with them is always essential no matter what you could tell what their energy is like Where they're taking anything, you know, if they are just you know doing a routine stop and they have okay energy It'd be a quick interaction versus if it's you know excessive, you know that you, you know what you're in store in store for but always communication is important Eye, eye, eye to eye contact is important. Absolutely, yeah. But no, thank you. I appreciate you, you know, digging into that because it's so essential for everyone to understand awareness because a lot of stuff I feel like can be prevented. If it does go to the extra mile, the best thing you can do is tell them, take me to jail. You know, hey, you know, let's, let's de-escalate everything. You want to go crazy? You want to put me in handcuffs? That's fine. You know, search me. 
put me in handcuffs, throw me in the backseat, do the paperwork. I'll be out in two, three hours. Right. And you know, well, it's but it's also important to know to know your rights and to know what, legally, um, do they have the right to detain you? Do they have the right to arrest you? Have they have they explained to you why they're arresting you? Um, these it, it's very important to not just subjugate yourself to allowing the police to wield ultimate power to do to you whatever they want to do. If you know that you're not in the wrong, if you know that you're not doing anything wrong, if you know that you're not in a situation where you're you're uh, guilty of an arrestable uh, offense, you need to ask for a supervisor. If you feel like a, a cop is agitated, if you feel like a police officer is agitated, you feel like they're taking things to another level where they don't need to be, request a supervisor. By law, they have to they, they have to bring a supervisor to the scene where you're at if you request one. If they refuse to to um, if they refuse to to call a supervisor a supervisor for you, tell the people on your live stream where you are what your location is, ask somebody on your live stream to call 911 and explain the situation of, of what's going on and ask them to contact supervision at whatever police department you're at. Don't close your live stream to call 911. Tell your live stream to call 911 for you. That way you're not losing the ability to, to stream what's happening in the situation. Oh, that's great information. Thank you. That's very wise. Of course. Man, so I'm gonna go ahead, we're gonna transition out. I'm gonna go into my trading places segment. I'm gonna go ahead and get that brain still going and working. And you know, it's just like that old school movie with uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, they wake up and life's change. And I take that idea and we take, you know, two modern you know, icons and trade their places and talk about it. So for you today, I have Adam Sandler trading places with the rapper Little Uzi Vert. <laughs> Question right. number one is, will it work? Would it work? Yes. Uh, shit, man. I don't know. Would it work? I, I mean, talent-wise, listen. All right. I'm, this, is, this is really going to, to um, accentuate my age. I don't like mumble rap. I'm not a fan. Um, I like rap that has a message and that I can actually understand the message. So um, I think Adam Sandler could probably uh, do do Uzi's music a little bit better than Uzi could do Adam Sandler's comedy. I'll leave it like that. I think that would probably be, I, w I mean, I wouldn't go to either of their concerts to be quite, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and I'm definitely not going to be downloading any of Lil Uzi Vert's movies. So, yeah. But yeah, maybe. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will tell you, I went to Camp Vlognog last year and I did see Lil Uzi Vert perform. And he performs like a quarter of the song, like a minute. And then all he does is just walk around the crowd and savage out. And it's like, it's weird because you never see anybody ever perform like that. But yeah. the crowd interaction and seeing why people respond to him is something amazing. It's like, why? Why? And then it's like, it's just, it's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love great performers. I, if, if we're talking about live, if we're talking about a live performance, maybe. But his music in general for me, not so much. Not a fan. Oh, yeah. I, it's all good, bro. To each his own. Who's your favorite artist? 
Oh man, it's like asking me my favorite child. I'm I'm obsessed with music. Uh, can we go genre? What what genre do you want? Oh well, good good question. Let's go West Coast. You know? West Coast West Coast his, hip hop. Yes. Pac, hundred percent. Gotta go with Pac. If we're doing East Coast hip hop, Nas all day. Legends, legends. Yes, sir. Fair enough. Damn, actually, Nas or Wu Tang. That's tough. Oh, I gotta go Nas. I'd have to say Nas. Sure, you went from Staten Islands to Queens Bridge in like seconds. And... <laughs> My bad. It's all good. No, I, I'm a fan of messages, man. I'm a fan of messages. I say about 80% of the people I interview are rappers, producers, and I try to get more actors, comedians, athletes on here because it's important to get the message across because the basis of my show is pretty much the success stories. A lot of people are afraid of success, especially coming from the backgrounds we come from where, you know, you don't know how people make millions of dollars other than selling dope or hitting licks. So, you, you know, otherwise you make a choice to, to do jobs and go to school and see what happens. But it's a dream in their mind to be on TV or, or be a part of the show or, you know, do their ideas that they have talent for, but they're scared because, you know, they can't see it. They can't yeah. go on further. And so some people, they have that where, you know, nothing stops them like yourself, like myself. I've been the person before that was like scared of success and seen some, seen some and was scared. And then I got an opportunity where someone pushed me over. And I was like, oh, there's a bridge over this cul-de-sac that brings you to it. And you just got to keep on working towards it at the same time. And, you know, that's, you know, the whole basis of my show. And then I flip it around and add in some other key elements. And I'm about to get into my impulse Q&A. But, you know, I just wanted you to have just a key insight on, you know, why I do what I do. I appreciate that. I think it's important to let people know that um, pursuing your dream is the most important thing. Um, having a dream is one thing. Wanting a dream is another, um, but actually pursuing your dream and working towards your dream is, is the most important thing. The, the first step is, is, is uh, the most important step. You, you constantly have to be grinding and, and hustling and not just, um, I think the problem is a lot of people want stuff, but they're not willing to work for it. You got to be willing to work for it. See, a lot of people think about just the top floor and not realizing that in certain, certain situations, you could be blessed and go from the bottom get on an elevator and go to the top floor. But a lot of other situations, you have to go floor to floor, level to level, situation to situation. And, you know, earn respect and, and you know, have people learn your name, learn your face, learn what your talents are daily. A lot of times it's better to do it that way. You, um, you appreciate it more. I feel like when you go from the bottom to the top, um, that's when you start getting artists that start having trouble with their, their success. They don't, um, they, didn't, they didn't learn the pitfalls on the way up. Uh, it's important to, to know, it's important to know the traps. When you learn the traps on the way up, then you, you know how to deal with them when you get there. Oh, yeah. If you know to slow down for a speed bump, you, you learn to slow down for a speed bump. You know, That's right. the radiator, pop the tire, your axle, all type of shit. The whole idea is you want to keep that car moving towards your dreams. Exactly. So, my brother, I got three questions for you. It's called impulse Q and A. If you don't like one of the questions, just pass on it. I'll pull another one, but you still got to answer three questions. All right, let's do it. From a fan perspective. So, you know, it's all fun. Question number one, what would be the worst ingredient to fill a burrito with? Oh, damn. Um, you know what? I, got, I hate lettuce in a burrito. 
that shit drives me nuts. I hate it, man. It it just it gets all soggy and nasty and like I don't understand why people put like if you want to have a salad, have a damn salad. That don't go in a burrito. Stop it. I agree. You know what it reminds me of? You ever seen the videos in like China and how they have like this little microorganism and it becomes lettuce? Yeah. Whenever I eat the damn burritos with the lettuce, that's what I think I'm eating, that microorganism becoming lettuce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't put lettuce in your burrito, man. Just eat a burrito. Stop it. Have a salad and a burrito. There you go. I have a taco salad. Make it interesting. Yeah. Question number two. What is something you get wrong almost every time you do it? Math. <laughs> Anything to do with math, man. I'm terrible with math. I can count money like a mug, but I, but when you start talking about like Dave leaves his house at 2 p.m. and travels six miles per hour and I don't know, Dave's going to end up lost if I'm doing the math. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Question number three. What would you do if you were invisible for a day? Ooh, damn. You know what? This is, this is, this is actually an interesting question, but pro I would probably, I would probably find out where my, my actual, my, my father lived, my biological father, and I would just haunt his ass for a day. <laughs> I would just, tr I would just mess with him for a whole day and drive him insane. Sorry, my girlfriend's like running around. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would do. I would just, uh, I would probably haunt my, my father for a day. You know what? I got a bonus question and, you know, I'm very interested to see what you would say. So I'm just going to ask, you know, bonus question, dun, dun, dun. Uh, if you were trapped okay. in an elevator for four hours, who would you be on the, who would you be in the elevator with and what would you guys be talking about? Oh man. Um, alive or dead? Yeah, alive or dead. Cool. Um, damn, man, I would have to say, you know what, I, I would, I would have to say, um, God, that's so hard because there's so many people that I want to have conversations with that I have so many questions for. I, I would have to say probably. Give me two. Okay. One would be Albert Einstein. Uh, just because I, I, I've always had an interest on where theorems come from, um, how, you, how you compute the intricacies of the universe uh, without having ever been there. So I would say uh, he would be one. And the other would be, um, you know what, I would like to have a conversation with Donald Trump, actually, to be 100% honest. I would like to see if he is who he really is on the media and and in the 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 light of the of the camera, or if this is all bullshit in a way for him to connect to the the, the mindless middle of the country. Mm -hmm. I would like I, I would like to know if he really is because he's he's such a, an interesting character in the sense of um, what's perceived. Yeah, who, who he allows people to, to, to think he really is, but then the people that are close to him are so loyal to him, and there's got to be a reason for that. If he was just an asshole all the time, he wouldn't have such loyalties in his life. And there's people that, that on both sides that seem to be um, 
so connected to him, there has to be a reason for it. I, I, I want to know if it's all for show if he, or if he really is just an asshole. Right. Facts. I wouldn't mind knowing either. Like, you know, the guy that we got that fired you and talked about, you know, grabbing the girl's, you know, pussy by the, by, you know, by the horns pretty much. Uh, is, is he the same person that we got that's trying to be charismatic and talking shit about China and, you know, <laughs> and so many it, other things. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, he's one of those people that's so, um, he ignites such emotion in people and people that, typically have that ability to ignite emotion in people they know what they're doing and they're playing they're playing into it to, into that role like you got people like conor mcgregor I've, I've met conor mcgregor he's not in person he's not the way that he is when the cameras are rolling he's a totally different person very humble very chill very cool um but when the cameras are rolling he's on i'm wondering if 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 uh, Donald Trump is the same way, if he's if if he really believes some of the crazy, wild shit that he says, um, and and to be honest, if I was in an elevator with him and and, and he really was that person, I could slap him up a little bit. So that would be cool too. So it's kind of no secret service. It's a win-win. Yeah. I mean, those stories you talk about Donald Trump like in a massive way, and people hear about you, they send the secret service to your door to say if you're like a problem to your country. Yeah, 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 you have to be careful. I probably shouldn't say I would slap him up in an elevator. <laughs> Whoops. No, you know, it's it's only in a, a, a fake reality, you know, nothing, yeah. no harm, no foul, Donald. <laughs> I, don't, I don't plan on being in any elevators with the president anytime soon anyway. Hey, would you call Eric Weinstein if, if you were trapped in there with Albert Einstein? Wait, what? Would you call Eric Weinstein if you were trapped in the elevator with Albert Einstein just because we have, you know, the parallel of today's genius compared to uh, Albert Einstein's era? That's interesting. Um, it would be interesting to hear that debate. If I was going to hear a debate between two people, I think it would be more so. I would, I would like to see a debate between um, Albert Einstein and uh, Elon Musk, to be honest. I think I think those two minds are are so brilliant, and to hear them compare notes on uh, on on the universe would be crazy amazing. Wow, that, that's it. That's incredible. You have my mind just on like a autobahn right now, trying to catch up. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> so, man, you survived my my awareness segment. You survived my trading places segment. You survived my impulse Q and A, and as a reward, you know. Well, let's talk about what's coming out. Let's promote some of your work. Let's let's talk about it. I know we talked briefly about a little bit, but you know, lay it on me. I have a feeling you got a lot more in store than just what's what's been said so far. Uh, so we've got um, obviously we've got the movie the movie that I wrote and um, and and producing. It's called Topper. Um, we've got some uh, big names attached to it. I can't really talk about the leads yet, but. Um, we've got names like Ann Hayes, Thomas Jane, Barry Corbin, Brian Callen, Chris D'Elia, um, people like that. Um, season two of Games People Play on BET uh, is coming up. I, I, play the, uh, I play the coach, Coach Buxton, on that show. Uh, season two of Why Women Kill on CBS is, is, uh, is also coming up. That's on CBS All Access. Um, that show is very cool because it's, it's kind of uh, – it's kind of filmed in the same way that American Horror Story is filmed, where 
uh, same character, same actors, but different characters each season. So uh, it's pretty cool that the new, the second season is, is going to be amazing, really cool story. Um, and then uh, two shows that I'm, uh, I'm looking to work on with uh, Netflix right now. One is loosely based on um, Los Angeles in the 1920s. And uh, the other one is uh, loosely based on the last slave ship to America. Um, we're writing, I'm writing that with a, a very good friend of mine, very good African-American writer named uh, Punky Johnson. So um, excited about that. So yeah, uh, exciting stuff. And I'm also in the project pr process of, of writing a film right now um, based on uh, the Trail of Tears. I'm actually part Native American. So uh, I want to tell the story of the Trail of Tears, the, the, uh, the, the, the largest trail used to force Native Americans onto reservation lands in Oklahoma. So I want to tell stories. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm tired of a world where we, we constantly just reboot movies and, and make movies out of comic books and, and video games. I, I want to tell stories. So, uh, so yeah, you can also catch me on Instagram, of course, Kevin Mack, catch me on TikTok, uh, the Kevin Mack. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Fair enough. Fair enough, bro. You got a lot of stuff I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm really am. And, you know, I want to take this moment to shout out Barbara Sanchez. I appreciate you, you know, making this happen. So thank you. Yeah, she's dope. I love Barbara. I appreciate her too. So I gotta ask you, you know, what is the goal long term? What's next? I mean, like, like once you get all this filming done, before you retire, what is some of the accolades that you want to see transpire? Um, I, I'm uh, I'm in the process right now of of um, creating my own production company, um, Bad Lad Productions. Uh, that production company is going to be. Um, it's going to be a vessel for storytellers. Um, I want to give opportunities to people that are looking to tell real stories. Um, I want to open it up to, um, to artists, to, to people that don't get the opportunities to make movies with, with big major motion picture companies. Um, I, I want to give opportunities to people from, um, all ranges, specifically, um, storytellers from uh, underprivileged areas like Detroit, Chicago, um, give give people the opportunity to tell their story and and to do it with a with a production company that isn't afraid to um, to take on you know the the the, the tough subject matter. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, building a production company and and directing uh, eventually want to move away from acting and focus more on directing and producing. And uh, yeah, I, I want to. I want to tell stories. Yeah, deliver the vision. Absolutely. I'm going to try and get in contact with you after this show because I definitely want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm always down to uh, to create with, with good people and people that are trying to move the, the world forward. Absolutely. It's, it's important to know if you fill a gap or a hole, a pothole with information on how to not fall in that pothole, you know, you inspire more than one. If you, it's the whole idea is to start off with one and, and it'll, it'll be a snowball effect. Yeah, pay it forward. Always pay it forward. Yes, sir. Hey, just fun, fun question. Favorite purchase? Ooh. Uh, 1970 Chevy Nova SS. Built it from the ground up. That's my baby. What size engine? Come on, man. You got the four? 
You know I got the four. He said, I got the four block. Don't play with me. I, I got the four. You know I got the four. And I got and I got the, the uh six speed transmission. Come on now. Woo. Her He's shifter. Five hundred five hundred and twenty horsepower to the wheels. We get it. We yeah. get it. Be ready for that quarter mile. Don't play with him. <laughs> keep your Teslas away from me though. I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so Kevin, if you notice the show's unique, it's different. I try to stay to the same guidelines as those other guys just because the formats are or sort of how these things work. But you know, I try to be unique and I'm like, how do I keep that same energy towards the end of the show? And you know, my viewers know I'm about to hit you with it. You got any questions for me? Um, actually, I do. So I, you you got family back in in Michigan, in Detroit, Grand Rapids, and and you're you're an East Coast guy now, right? No, actually, my family moved from uh, my grandfather got a job at the Pentagon for the Department of Defense. Damn. So he moved from they were running banks and and building houses and you know doing wood. Uh, Fifth Third Street Bank. They had Third National Street Bank, and you know it merged with Fifth Third Street. And right. my great grandfather started the Third Street National Bank. Wow. So uh, from there, uh, his son, after he passed away, took over the banks and then he wanted to get out the banks. And he ended up getting a job for the Pentagon for the Department of Defense. And my family moved there. And then my dad pretty much grew up out there with his brother. And they did phenomenal things race cars, race boats, uh, and kept it going. And then my dad wanted to leave. And he came to LA and here we are, but I get told all the time I need to go to Michigan and, and go check out the banks. They have a whole story about my great grandfather and how he helped start the banks. So what it, what was it that that made you want to pursue um, this uh, this form of of, uh, of media? What made you want to to, to start um, what you're doing now, podcast? You know, essentially, one is the new wave. So it's an easy field to jump into and allow yourself to excel. You pick the topics, you pick how you want to do it, and it allows you to really navigate on a platform that can really, you know, transpire change that's transparent to people. And so that pretty much inspired me to do it. I got told no a whole bunch of times. Yeah. No, I can't get a job doing promotions for the radio station. And I did general manager for an online radio station. In college, I had a radio show on Friday nights, and so I have history. But when it came down to wanting to do it for like a career, I quit working for a restaurant for a long time managing it, and I was like, that's not what I want to do. So I'm like, boom, try this, no. And I tried to join a podcast, they told me no. I tried to start it with other people, they told me no. And then so now you have a product of what you have today. Doing, I think what you're doing is something that's important. Um, and this is something that I've been talking to young people about um, with, with a lot of the after school programs that we work with is um, I think the, the, the ability that we have nowadays to create content on our own and, and to put content out there into the world on our own gives us the ability to stop begging for our supper. Um, a lot of the reason why I am starting my own production company and, 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 and trying to step away from things. So I'm tired of walking into an audition and knowing that I'm more talented than a lot of people in the room, but not getting those opportunities because of who they know or who they're related to or a look they have or what have you. Um, I'm tired of begging for my supper and I'm tired of, I'm tired of begging for, for projects, quite frankly, that I don't believe in or, or 
that I, are stories that I don't believe in. Um, if I'm going to walk in a room and I'm going to put my effort forth to learn a script or, or to take on a project and put my full focus into something, I want it to be something that I believe in, not, not something that's been done a thousand times. So I think it's important for people nowadays to um, create a brand. Don't just have a platform. Um, don't just do so don't just do Instagram don't just do TikTok but have a brand create a brand of who you are create a brand with your name and and make that and and work towards making that brand lucrative um and make people beg for your supper stop begging for stop begging people for scraps and get out there and make people beg for your food attracting wealth brother you're talking about attracting wealth it's taking those talents and recognizing your gifts and applying them and apply and apply and apply until you know not only do you get somewhere you make a difference the law of attraction my friend absolutely absolutely Amen. and you know people forget the ability of wealth is more power than the ability of being rich because the ability of wealth keeps on creating it keeps on evolving evolving and you know you keep on evolving yourself to to meet the high demands and you know as long as you reflect and understand what's real in yourself that's the best part of this whole journey. Couldn't agree more. So, man, uh, Kevin, I'm going to close out. And then the last thing I'm asking you to do is to do is a drop. And then this will be a wrap. I appreciate your time so much, Kevin. Back. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. All right, boom. It's Contrast Uncut. It's season three, episode 31. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. I wouldn't be able to do incredibly dope shit like interviewing Kevin Mack and talking about everything possible and inspiring others. And I mean, we're getting real testimonies from, from growing up from Detroit and moving to LA. And, you know, a lot of people become homeless and become beach bums because the dream doesn't work. And, you know, Kevin Mack gave the testimony of what it took. He, he gave everything on this show. So I really greatly appreciate you, man. So make sure you tune into this brother uh, on his, couple of shows he's on and, and many many platforms is his major way podcast and many many more kevin mack thank yeah. you thank you sir appreciate you what's up y'all this is kevin mack from why women kill i appreciate y'all coming out make sure that you check out contrast uncut of course with all of the best interviews out there in the game right now shouts out to bobby d presents and of course uncle snoop's army for putting my man on much appreciated see y'all soon Hey, respect my nigga. This ain't what you want. Can I kick it when I rhyme it? Be a legend through Ebonics. Was a sticker boy. Felt like sticky fingers played at Onyx. Can I live track eight? Felt like Jigga 96. Without a reasonable doubt, the album turned me into this. Shit, we always had dreams of being money making mish. Without jewelry on, hit a jail pose. Take a flick. Feel like pop and keep your head up. Biggie shooting juice. The coach is still alive. You slap me, bro. King, nigga. Man, I know you guys can't smell this right now, and I ain't talking about none of that other stuff. I'm talking about some of that good stuff, that smell good stuff. I think it's breakfast. What time is it? It's breakfast time. Make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut no matter what you're doing. Whether you're eating breakfast, you're smelling good food like I'm smelling, or if you're smelling other stuff, we're good to watch too. Make sure you tune in. Thank you.